0: to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 1, verse number 18. It reads, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, From your vain conversation received ye by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever wow what a powerful packed passage of scripture tonight I want to Spend just a few moments in Bible study, preaching, teaching, whatever the Holy Ghost wants tonight. Unfeigned love. Unfeigned love. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift up our voices and let's pray that God would have his way in this house tonight. God, I worship you. I praise your name. I lift up your name. I pray that your word would be, God, anointed tonight, God, that you would minister to us. I pray that your voice would be heard, God. I pray that you, God, would speak into our hearts, speak into our lives tonight, God. Give us words, God, that we can live upon Give us truth, O oh God, that we can stand upon. I pray that you would direct us, God. Guide us and, God, address our situations and our needs at hand in the precious, wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Everyone said amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to talk for a few minutes about unfeigned love. The Bible is, in essence, a big love story. You can, you can read all throughout the scripture and find that from beginning to the end, it is God's love story to humanity. We can understand through study and through the reading of this word there are certain dispensations and there are certain covenants that measure or mark uh, the history of this life and the history of the church and the word of God. And in those dispensations, we can see a consistency and something that is threaded or woven throughout it and ultimately that is the love of God and uh, the, the first dispensation is the dispensation of innocence and in the dispensation of innocence this is the time of the Garden of Eden and there is a covenant that God established with humanity which is the Edenic covenant and we can read about the fall of humanity and then we can read and learn about a new hope that is given by God and a, a new covenant essentially that is given. And the next dispensation that we read about the next era of time is the dispensation of conscience. And in this period of time, the covenant was the Adamic covenant. And this is after they were removed from the garden and we see how humanity continues to, to fail and and goes down a road of violence, perversion, and wickedness and ends with, ultimately, the, the destruction of the earth with the great flood. The next dispensation is the dispensation of human government. In this period of time, it is the Noahic covenant. And God makes this covenant with Noah, and he provides a way of redemption and a story of love yet again in another era of time where humanity has failed miserably. And Noah preaches to them and and tells them that the word of God has went forth and there is going to be rain and you need to do this to be saved. And they decided not to listen to the voice of God and to the man of God. And it ultimately ended in the confounding of the languages. And this is the era of the human government. The next dispensation is the dispensation of promise or the patriarchal dispensation. And in this dispensation, it is the covenant between God and Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. And we can read about the lineage of Abraham and all of his descendants and about how God called Abraham out and he told his people to come out. And we ultimately end this era of time with Abraham's family decreased in experience and power with God, ultimately landing them in bondage under Egypt and Egyptian oppression. The next dispensation is the dispensation of the law and the covenants are the Mosaic covenant, the Palestinian covenant and the Davidic covenant. God delivered his people from the Egyptian bondage. He redeemed them. He gave them a new hope yet again. He gave them a a new redemption. All throughout each dispensation, there's a a pattern that we're seeing. And it ultimately ended in the peak of Jewish, Jewish sectarianism. And Calvary was the ultimate judgment and sacrifice. And that leads us into the dispensation that we are currently in. And that is the dispensation of the church. And in it, it is the new covenant. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that was delivered unto us, and it is a new hope. It is a, a, another story of redemption and another story of God's love, and then ultimately the end of times will be the millennial dispensation. The thing that is threaded throughout is there is never been a change to God's recipe for redemption. There's three things that have always remained consistent that have never changed that are required to be saved, to be redeemed, and that is number one, faith, number two, obedience to the Word of God, and number three, shedding of blood. It has always required faith to be saved. It has always required obedience to the voice of God, the Word of God, and it has always required shedding of blood. Of blood and so this this cycle or this pattern that we can pick up is there is there's judgment and it's brought on by a promise or a new hope and then there's there's failure and then there is a new hope there is judgment then there's a new hope given so humanity God gives a promise and God speaks a word and then, Humanity falls, and they make a mistake, and then there's judgment that comes, and then God gives a new promise and a new hope, and we can see this is consistent throughout the Word of God, and nothing has changed in the era or the time that we're living in today, and I've come to preach unfeigned love tonight to an individual that it still requires faith to be saved. Amen. It still requires faith for your situation. Amen. It still requires there to be an amount, amen, of faith to stir you up into action, to stir you regarding your own situation. And Hebrews tells us this, Hebrews 11 and 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what you came to church with tonight. But I've come to preach to somebody tonight. If you'll just allow God, amen, to give you an inspiration and you hear the word of God and you let faith begin to stir and you let faith begin to work in your life and then you, amen, step out and operate in faith, God can touch you. Amen. God can work in your circumstance. God can work in your life. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You may not see what you want to see yet in your family. You may not see what you want to see yet in your circumstance. You may not see what you want to see yet in your home. You may not see what you want to see yet in your ministry. You may not see what you want to see yet in your community. But if I can tell you if you just get a little bit of faith if you get some perseverance that says you know what? I can read the word of God and God has been faithful. God has been true. And if I just grab a Little bit of faith. Amen. The Bible says all it takes is a mustard seed faith. You gotta have some determination. You've got to have some belief system. You gotta have some amen inertia inside of you that says, you know what? My situation doesn't look good right now. Hallelujah. The the things around me, the things in my home, the things in my family, whatever it may be, it doesn't look how I want it to look. Amen. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hallelujah. The evidence of things not seen. Have some faith. Your situation is not new to God. Your circumstance is not new to God. Now, I'm not not minimizing our circumstances in the house because it's a very real life that we live. And there are mountains and there are valleys. And there are mistakes that we make and there are storms that come that... We're not our own cause, but God is faithful, and God loves you. God loves you. Your situation isn't new to him, but he knows exactly where you are, and he knows exactly what you need. Praise God. And so faith is something that has always been required to be redeemed and and to to receive or to partake in this unfeigned love of God. The second is obedience. We can read in First Samuel, if you turn there, First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22. It says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings? And sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of God. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Amen. God is concerned with obedience. You know, there, there are things that God controls... And there are things that are in our control. And, and, and God can do miraculous things. God can do things that would blow our minds. God can redeem us and, and can work in our own situations. And he can do things on the job for you like you would not even believe. But there's some things that God requires of us. There's some... There's some action that God is looking for from humanity, and that takes place in obedience to the word of God. And when, when God and his ways meet with us in obedience to the word of God mixed with faith, there's powerful things that can happen. God can can begin to move in a situation that we didn't think was even possible to redeem or restore, but God can take his power, his anointing, his control, and an obedient heart unto God, and someone who loves him and desires his ways, and he can begin to work in a situation. Hallelujah. Obedience is important to him, and Many have trouble with the truth that to obey your pastor is to obey God. To obey the man of God in your life is to obey the Word of God. Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 3 and 15... I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and with understanding. The Bible likens a pastor unto a shepherd. Amen. And the pastor is like likening himself unto God, the true shepherd amen the great shepherd and he has a burden for us and he has a vision for us and he has love in mind amen but sometimes we get caught up in humanity and the two that that man of God in my life is connected to the God in my life amen pastor didn't ask me to preach this but it's the truth it's the word of God and God planted it in me so I'm gonna preach it you got to obey your pastor. you got to listen to the man of God in your life. you got to listen to the voice that he has placed. Hallelujah. Luke records in chapter 16 and verse number 12. It says, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. Now, you have to understand in the Levitical law and reading throughout Leviticus, all of the criterias for lepers and the separation of them from the community of common people. And there are these lepers that they've heard about the miraculous signs and wonders and, and things that Jesus Christ has done. They've, they've heard about all of these rumblings of, of these crowds and all this stuff happening and great things these people that have been healed and these people that have been restored and these people that have been given a new hope, these people that have been forgiven of sins. And so uh, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what their situation is, but I can venture and say that they were probably not supposed to be where they were. And we, we represent this through the script of the Messiah in our Easter presentation, where the crowd kind of yells out, "Oh no! There's lepers! Everyone get away! Run!" Right? Nobody, you know. Have you ever, have you ever been around that person? You know, you see them coming, and, and you're just like, and if that hasn't, if you haven't experienced that, you're probably that person. I'm just kidding. It's probably it's I I'm I'm one of these people. This is why I can preach this. So uh anyways, where were we? I could I, I would venture to say these lepers were not supposed to be there that day. These lepers probably were taking a step out of what was supposed to be and operating in some faith and and, and listening to the words of God and the stories of God and the faith that was being built. And might I just interject right here, we cannot be a church or we cannot be a people that are just hearers of the Word of God. Amen. We, we can listen to the Word of God and we can listen to faith-building stories and we can listen to examples of people being redeemed and people being restored. And we can, we can hear them and sit down and do nothing about it in our own situation. But the Bible said, don't just be hearers of the word, but be ye doers of the word, right? It takes some obedience. I'm telling you what, if you get a hold of this message, if you get a hold of obedience, it's not restriction. But obedience is anointing. Obedience is power. If you'll get up and you'll act on the word of God, you never know what God will do. He might just heal you. He might just save your lost loved one. He might just restore you. So, these lepers, another note, they've already gone and shown themselves to the priest. They've already gone and and showed themselves to the priest. They would have to go before the priest, and the priest would look at their sores, look at their disease, and and assess. And and in Leviticus, you can read, it's it's interesting and not interesting all at the same time. Uh, Just being real. White sores and all this stuff, and it's not very fun. It's not very pretty. And and if, if the, the sore is this white, or if it's gone down, or if it's done this, then we do this, or we do that. I don't have it memorized, but there is a process that these lepers had to go through in presenting themselves. And, and it was up to that high priest, whether they were to be deemed cleansed, or cleared, or you got a good Bill of health and, and you can go back into society or you're going to have to stay all alone in confinement. No hope. There's nothing else we can do for you. we got to think of everyone else. You've got to be put over there. And so think about this. They, they've already gone before the high priest. And they've already showed themselves their sores and this disease that is infecting their body. And so they hear about the miracles. They hear about the things. Maybe it'll be like the woman with the issue of blood that when I just touch his garment, something will, will remove from him and come to me, and then he'll turn around and he'll, he'll heal me. Maybe that's how it'll be. Maybe it'll be like blind Bartimaeus if we just come to him and we say, Hey, I, I, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me, and, and he'll, he'll ask us what he wants us to do, and, and he'll heal us. Or maybe it'll be like the the lame girl and he'll just, he'll see us coming and he'll say, lepers, come over here and and let me heal you. But it didn't happen that way. And so we have to understand that these lepers took this step of faith and in obedience to the word of God that they've heard spread abroad. That, you know what, we're going to go and we're going to see what Jesus can do for us. And whatever he says, I, could, I can see it. Maybe it didn't happen this way, but I think there was unity among them. I think they said, look, whatever he tells us, we're going to do it. Whatever Jesus says, if we, if we listen to him, he's done all these other things. If we just follow what he says, I bet we could have a hope. I bet we could have something to hold on to for our life. I bet we could be restored. I bet maybe, you know, who knows? I don't know what's going to happen. And if you approach God that way and you approach him with humility, amen, he said, they said they called him master. They approached him with some reverence. They approached him with some humility. And I think they had it settled in their heart and mind, whatever he says, we're doing it. Because the Bible, says it has to be that way because they showed themselves to Jesus And he, when he saw them, he said unto them, go, show yourselves unto the priests. They didn't stop. But say, wait a minute, Jesus, uh, first of all, we've been there. Uh, We know all that routine. Uh, That's kind of why we're here. Um, You know, what you could do is just... Like reach down in the dirt and rub it and you could heal us. Or no, 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 God. They didn't they didn't stop God and, and say, you know, Jesus, we know you've done a lot of great things, but let me tell you how you should do it for us. Look, look, Jesus, you don't know where we are. You haven't had leprosy before. You, you don't know what this is like to be all alone and confined away from everybody. You don't know what it's like to miss out on events. And you don't know what it's like to go through what we're going through. You don't know the pressure. You don't understand my situation. No, that, that's not the attitude that they had. That's not the mindset that they had. They didn't come and expect to argue with God. Let me tell you this. Arguing doesn't usually accomplish anything. It never brings forth anything good as far as I know. So uh, an attitude that says, you know what, whatever God says, whatever the word of God says, whatever Jesus says for my life, that's what we're going to do. Amen. We're going to bind together. It may not be the answer. And let me just tell you this. Your answer for your situation that God wants to give to you may not be the answer that you're looking for. It may not be the answer that you think is right in your mind. But the Bible tells us that he that thinketh in a certain way, amen, it's not the way of God, amen, but it's the way of death. So God's ways are not our ways. So when you put your faith in God and you put your trust in God and you say, I'm going to obey the word of God, I'm going to obey the voice of God, I'm going to obey the man of God, when you do those things, whatever the circumstance, I can promise you, your situation is going to be better than anything you could do for it. Your situation has more hope than your own hands taking it in control. And so the bible says as they went these lepers they didn't stop god and change his mind argue tell him how it should be done they were was- they said go show yourselves to the priest. We've been there before. We've been to the altar down before. We've prayed in our prayer closet before but the man of God says we need to pray. I'm going to go and pray because you know what? He knows something that I don't know. He's connected to God greater than I'm connected to God because he's been placed here in my life for this church, for this home, for this family. I'm going to just believe in him. I'm going to follow the word of God. You know what? I don't know why the Bibles says this I don't know why the Bible says that but I'm going to do it I'm going to obey the word of God because I know God knows better I know God's way is brighter I know God's way is more pure the Bible says, as they went, they were cleansed. Obedience is a powerful tool in the house of God. Obedience is a powerful miracle for your situation. If you'll just dig into the word of God, if you'll dig into the voice of God in your life and you obey it, woo! it's going to be much better than had you not. Praise God. We can look at these dispensations. We can look at the people in the word of God. We can see Adam and Eve. And how one man's disobedience, as Romans put it, made many sinners. And references Jesus Christ. By one man's obedience, many were made righteous. There's power In obedience. Adam and Eve's situation would have been totally different had there been obedience to the word of God. We can go step by step. In the days of Noah, the people could have been saved had they just obeyed the voice of God in their lives. Praise God. And so, God is is here. Revelations 3 and 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, we've got some things to do on our part. We've got some work to do on our part. If we open that door, the Bible says, I will come in, speaking of Jesus, and I will sup with him and he with me. Another example of obedience is we got to be in the house of God. We've got to be in church. If we want God to work in our situation, you got to be where God is. you got to be where God is. We can read about Thomas, and, and I don't have time to go all into it, but the, the disciples were gathered together. And Thomas, we know Thomas is known for one certain thing, and it is doubting, But what's interesting, if you look in the life of Thomas, when Jesus came to them, if you read in John 20 and 19, let's go ahead and read it. John 20 and 19. Then the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto you them, Peace be unto you. Next scripture. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, And saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sin ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Next scripture. But Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. If If you've got some doubt in your life, and you've got some doubt for your situation you might want to look at your church attendance and see if you've been there because you're not going to get faith out there. You're not going to get faith sitting at home. You're not going to get deliverance sitting at home. Amen. Thomas was not there when Jesus met with him. And that's probably why he doubted when he heard these things that happened. Because he wasn't at church to experience the power of God. He wasn't at church in that altar service. You just don't understand. You would have just had to have been there. Praise God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, we can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another as so much more as you see the day approaching. This was church. The disciples were gathered together. But the one that wasn't there, he doubted. You got to get to church. As the musicians come unfeigned love is what we're teaching about, preaching about tonight. The last and the final recipe for salvation that's never changed is there's, there's got to be faith, there's got to be obedience, and there's got to be shedding of blood. And we can read in Hebrews, we can read in John, We can read all throughout the scripture and see this is a giant love story. God loves humanity. He sees our failures. He sees our shortcomings. But he's given us a recipe that if we'll mix this together, he can work in our lives. And he can do great things. John 15 and 12 says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. This tells us right here that because Jesus died for us doesn't just automatically give us salvation. Because Jesus died for us doesn't automatically remit our sin. Because he paid the price and because he does love us doesn't mean we can live however we want to live. But there is something that says, I I laid my life down for you, and I'm calling you my friends, but my friends do the Word of God. My friends have an obedience to the Word of God because they know this treasure in earthen vessels, this earnest inheritance, this... this earnestness of our inheritance it's greater than anything the world has to offer it's a hope that maketh not ashamed it's something I'm not willing to let go of it's something I'm not willing to trade in it's something I'm not willing to forfeit I'm not giving up this hope that Jesus Christ has given to me I'm not giving up the word of God because in it there is salvation Hebrews 9 and 22 tells us, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Hallelujah. Jesus shed his own precious blood. Jesus shed his own precious blood. In our text scripture, we read it, that he shed his precious blood as a lamb without blemish and without spot who was foreordained before the foundation of the world. And hallelujah, we can be purified in our souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Being born again, Not of corruptible, but of incorruptible. There is a word of God that God has given to us. There is a gospel that he has delivered to us. There is an Acts 2 and 38, a commandment that calls for obedience and action. Therefore Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this promise is unto you and to your children and unto as many as the Lord our God shall call. Let's stand together. Matthew 27 reads in a translation other than King James. As they were going out, They met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed the written charge against him— This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Jesus Christ shed his own precious blood so that we don't have to. So the only two things left up to us is we've got to have some faith in God and we've got to have some obedience to the voice of God and the word of God in our life. And when we mix all of those things together, Miracles can happen. Restoration can happen. Redemption can happen. Unfeigned love. God loves you and sees exactly where you are. And he knows exactly what you need. And it's up to you to come and to get it. As they sing, these altars are open. If you would like special prayer, you can come down to the front and you can lift up your voice. If you need restoration, if you need God to work in your situation,